Uh, Father, we just thank you for being good. We thank you for inviting us. Give us ears to hear. Pray that you'd be glorified in this temple, Lord, in these temples. In Jesus' name, amen. Everyone know where Philemon is? Everyone's favorite book? If you don't know, go to Hebrews. It's the book before it. It's a short book, so... If I talk like I normally do, we'll be done really quick. So I'm going to try to go slow, but that doesn't happen very often. <laughs> I don't know if it's the evangelist in me or the Sunday school teacher in me, but usually you only got so much time and you try to cram it in. So, <laughs> um, so just thinking as we go through this, Philemon. Philemon lived in Colossae, which we just finished Colossians, so it kind of ties. So I just thought it would be a natural... A natural flow and uh, all scripture is for our edification um, this is kind of a, a personal letter um, obviously Philemon lived in Colossae um, but it was the letter was brought to the Colossae um, by some people which we'll be reading about and uh, but this letter was specifically to a person which is not as common um, yet we know, I don't know if they thought anyone would read it, but it's how many thousands of years later and we're still talking about it. It got out. <laughs> it's in the Bible. Um, so obviously it's prophetic. And we know that everything in the Bible, Jesus said every single thing that's written is written of me. So as it's a good practice, as you read the scriptures to kind of put yourself in there, it's kind of fun to, it's not always fun. Sometimes it's challenging sometimes it's convicting but you know put yourself in the shoes so there's three main characters we're going to be reading about a bunch of people but Philemon is the letter was addressed to Paul wrote it and it's on behalf I believe of Onesimus some you might say it's on uh, for Paul's benefit but you know you can kind of maybe see yourself in one of these at least in some situation and ultimately as we know um, you can see Jesus in this so you can get his heart and you can put yourself in there just from that so let's just read through the book it's short and then we'll start um, Paul a prisoner of Christ Jesus and Timothy our brother to Philemon our beloved friend and fellow laborer to the beloved Aphia, Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church in your house, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God, making mention of you always in my prayers, hearing of your love and faith which you have toward the Lord Jesus and toward all the saints, that the sharing of your faith may become effective by the acknowledgement of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. For we have great joy and consolation in your love, because the, hearts, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed by you, brother. Verse 8. Therefore, though I might be very bold in Christ to command you what is fitting, yet for love's sake I would rather appeal to you, being such a one as Paul, the aged, and now also the prisoner of Jesus Christ, I appeal to you for my son, Onesimus, 
whom I have begotten while in my chains, who once was unprofitable to you, but now is profitable to you and to me. I am sending him back. You therefore receive him that is in my own heart, whom I wish to keep with me, that on your behalf he might minister to me in my chains for the gospel. But without your consent, I wanted to do nothing, that your good deed might not be by compulsion, as it were, but voluntary. For, for perhaps he departed for a while for this purpose, that you might receive him forever, no longer as a slave, but more than a slave, a beloved brother, especially to me, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. If then you count me as a partner, receive him as you would me, but if he has wronged you or owes anything, put that on my account. I, Paul, am writing with my own hand. I will repay, not to mention to you, not to mention to you that you owe me even your own self besides. Yes, brother, let me have joy from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in the Lord. 21. Having confidence in your obedience, I write to you knowing that you will do even more than I say. But meanwhile, also prepare a guest room for me, for I trust that through your prayers I shall be granted to you. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, greets you, as do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, Luke, my fellow laborers. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. So we see Paul in a prison with company. Some traveled there from other places. Some had come from Colossae, and they were all there together. And word got to Paul about the state of the church in Colossae, and he decided to send letters. And most believe that he sent probably the letter to Ephesus um, and Colossae and this letter by hand by the same people. And uh, they would have brought it to give word to him about the state that was there. And uh, it does mention that Onesimus was a slave, so he was owned by Philemon, so Philemon would have had issues um, with him leaving, some people believe, which is why he says that he owed him something, that Paul says, you can put it on my account, I'll take care of it. Yet, it says if he owes you anything. So some people believe that he might have just accompanied the people that went from Colossae to travel with them, to be a, a guard or a companion, that, that Philemon might have put him on loan, but then when he didn't return, now he's kind of like a runaway. So here's this guy that left in one state and got changed while he was gone. And we're going to see um, God's heart in this towards someone that was a slave. And obviously, as we go through this again, we can see this picture because we were all slaves to sin, and somebody put us on an account and set us free, and uh, he has a plan for us. Um, but it ends, verse 23, we'll kind of do it backwards because that's how we write letters, right? Usually we say uh, who it's from first. So Epaphras, he was a teacher in class whom Paul called a faithful minister to them and a fellow prisoner with him. So he was evidently arrested also, and he was doing time with Paul that's got to be quite a ministry. Can you imagine just hanging out with Paul, even in jail, the things that are going on and the growth and the, 
the prayer time. We'll be getting into that because he didn't. He, he redeemed the time. He, he's at a stage in life. You can sit there and say, "Well, what stage of life am I at?" Well, Paul took everything as what you will for me now, what you will for me now. Um, just recently going through and thinking about it, Abraham. So David was a, a king and a warrior and a psalmist, a prophet. Um, a lot of people in the Bible, you look at it, had ministries and, and anointing. What was Abraham's ministry? What was his call? What did God have him do? Right? Even just by definition, by his name, right? A father, a father of many, he added his name, Abraham. So he, he was to raise a seed, and he offered his son. It was a, an act, right? But it's kind of strange, because if you think of Abraham's calling, I know we call him the father of faith, but that faith was involved with his son. He didn't have a kid till he was 99. He, he had a lot of time getting prepared for his ministry. <laughs> and he might have thought, you know what, I guess I'm done, because it's not going to happen. In fact, when God reminded him it was going to happen, they sat there and laughed. Well, his wife laughed, but then God looked at him and said, why is your wife laughing? What, what have you been telling her? Do you, do you think this is, <laughs> you think I'm unable and uh, so here he is praying. He, he redeems the time. Paul doesn't say, like, well, I'm arrested. Well, I guess I'm done now. I mean, we could see John the Baptist a little bit. We, we're not sure where his heart was at. But he's like, are you the one or do we look for another? I'm in jail. This can't be part of my time. And uh, Paul's like, okay, I'm going to write letters. I'm going to pray. He, he redeemed the time. No matter where he was at, he, God hadn't taken him home yet. And... Uh, Marcus. Marcus was an evangelist. He was the, the author of the Gospel of Mark. Marcus was his Latin surname. His Jewish name was John. He was referred to as John Mark a couple times. He was the cousin of Barnabas, and he accompanied Paul on many missionary journeys. And then there's Aristarchus. So these are people that were with Paul as he wrote this letter, Aristarchus was a believer from Thessalonica who accompanied Paul on his third missionary journey. You, you kind of would have to believe if you spent time with Paul and traveled with him, where are you going after that? Everything would kind of be like boring or a downer. He, he, he has this group following him because people wanted to get ministered to and to learn to minister. And then we see Demas mentioned. So obviously we know his name. Um, he was a companion of Paul who des deserted the apostle when he was a prisoner in Rome and he returned back to Thessalonica. And then there's Lucas, or Luke, a Gentile Christian. He accompanied Paul. He was a physician. Some people believe that he might have been, back then, sometimes physicians were slaves and he was given to Paul to travel to, he spent, he got to see a lot of things firsthand and he obviously wrote the book of Luke and Acts. So he was a first-hand accountant that sometimes, you know, you think of Paul and traveling with him, um, and then Luke was just there watching, and that's kind of how our walk can be. I just want to walk with Jesus and just be there and be able to have a testimony and seeing what God's doing. They often call ministry. It's like going to work with your dad day. You know, he doesn't trust you to do anything, and you're not really capable, but you get to go, you get to watch, and every once in a while he'll let you push that button and you get to do it or say this word and wow look it did something you know you, you didn't do anything you just did what you're told and and he's right there to make them stop it whatever he has to do you know he's a good dad and he just invites us to walk with him and uh, just thinking of these people got to spend time with him and what that must have been like and uh, just, again I, I quote 
David Guzik a lot. He wrote Epiphras in regards to these people. Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke, my fellow laborers. Each of these names is also mentioned in the conclusion to the letter to the Colossians. This confirms that the two letters went to the same place, and we know that Philemon lived in Colossae. In Epiphras, he says, my fellow prisoner, which literally means a prisoner of war, and he used it as a metaphor. And Demas is supposed to be the same who continued in his attachment to Paul till his last imprisonment at Rome, after which he left for what is supposed to have been the love of the world, which isn't Second Timothy and Matthew Henry wrote, Lucas is the last, that beloved physician and evangelist who came to Rome, companion with Paul, mentioned in Colossians 4.14 and 2 Timothy 4.11. He was Paul's associate in his greatest dangers and his fellow laborer. The ministry is not a matter of carnal ease nor pleasure, but of pains, if any are idle in it, they answer not their calling. Christ bids his disciples pray the Lord of the harvest to send forth laborers, not loiterers. Yeah, that hurt me too. We're not to loiter, we're to labor into the harvest in Matthew 9:38. And the people are exhorted to know those that labor among them and are over them in the Lord and esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake. 1 Thessalonians 5, 12 and 13. My fellow laborers, says the apostle, ministers must be helpers together of the truth. They serve the same Lord in the same holy work and function and are expectants of the same glorious reward. Therefore, they must be assistants to each other in furthering the interest of their great and common master. So we all have the same goal. We're all working to the same thing. And just as I was going through the S word, the submission word, and wives in Colossians, right? Submission. There's a mission, and we're all under the mission. We're all to be together, going the same direction for the same thing, for the same purpose, for the same God, with the same Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has no problem with himself. And uh, again, just... The book itself, like you read it, most commentaries, when they read it, they, they read the beginning, and they, you know, they say that Paul was working Philemon, or uh, he was getting him to a point to be able to receive something. He was making a point. And uh, so as we go through that, you can kind of get there. But back to verse 1. Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, which he was a prisoner, but he didn't call himself a prisoner of Rome, or a prisoner for, of people, he understood that God had him there for a purpose and a time. In fact, it helps when God tells you ahead of time, then it's easier to go by faith in it, which a co-laborer, he went through difficulties. But if we remember, he was blind. God knocked him off his high horse, and he told him all of the things that were going to happen to him before it went. And isn't it nice when you get a word from God so that when it happens, you don't sit there and doubt, I'm not in his will, this is the enemy, you're prepared, you know. Christian walk's not easy. And, and whenever things can happen, it can be discouraging. And God was either, he's obviously wise, maybe Paul needed to hear it, but he told him ahead of time, it's going to be hard, and this is what you're going to go through, so you don't freak out, just go forward. And that kept Paul steadfast, immovable. None of these things move me, he said. Nothing's going to take me away from the path that God has for me. It's a Christian rock band that I like often when I'm working out, but there's no plan B. 
I got a plan and I'm going with it. And that's all I got. All I, I have Jesus. We don't have anything else, but fortunately we don't need anything else. He's all we need. Verse 2, to the beloved Apphia, it's a feminine name. Most people believe it's probably Philemon's wife. We know there was a church house there, which he's going to talk to. Um, and one commentator, I should have checked into this more, and I didn't, but they say it's not uncommon in that time, in that era, that the woman of the house was over the slaves. And we know even back when Joseph got taken in, it was the wife that caused the problems that got him thrown into jail. And um, so I don't doubt that that's true. But if this letter was to be addressed on how they were going to uh, react with a slave, then it would be right to mention her by name and bring it up. And then Archippus, which most believe was their son, Philemon's son, possibly, um, and to the church in your house. And we know that in Colossians 4.17, Paul wrote, And say to Archippus, Take heed to the ministry which you have received in the Lord, that you may fulfill it. So Archippus had been given a ministry that he received. So anytime you have anything from God, you receive it, right? He says, freely you've received, freely give. So again, it, we need to be in prayer. We need to be receiving, and we can't take credit for it. But we also then... Again, I remember the first time Pastor Kevin was going to become the principal and the Lord, I got asked to oversee the Sunday school ministry. I was actually delaying and wondering. And uh, I came to a verse, Matthew 10, um, where it says that he called his disciples to himself. Then he gave them gifts. Then it says, now the name of the apostles. They became apostles after they were gifted and the gifted were given by the Lord. And... uh, my wife happened to be in the exact same portion of the Lord calling the 12 disciples, but in a different book at the same morning. So it's kind of like God's telling you, you know, I don't expect you to be able to do it on your own. I'm going to give you everything that you need. Now the question is, are you willing and uh, are you going to give out what you've received? So Archippus had a ministry given to him. We don't know if it was what it was, but he was encouraged to fulfill it in this house church. So they didn't have big buildings back then. Um, we don't know if all of Colossae, we don't know how big the church was. So there might have been multiple houses that all had churches at the same time. So this might not have been written to all of the entirety of the church, but um, people were there. It says in verse 3, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We know grace always comes before. Um, you have to have grace in order to have peace. Verse 4 Um, I thank my God, making mention of you always in my prayers. So I thank my God, making mention of you in my prayers. So he doesn't sit there and say, you know, I spend all day, all night on my knees praying for you, because when I thank you, I make mention of you. So sometimes we can get convicted if we forget to pray. But as the Lord, you know, I think praying in the Spirit, sometimes people say praying in the Spirit is like speaking in tongues. Well, if you're speaking in tongues, then you had to have been giving it to you. But I think praying in the Spirit is the Holy Spirit impressing on your heart something to pray for, and then you pray it. More of a word of knowledge in my mind than, than either of those. And we ought to pray as 
but again, you have, you have to make time. You know, you have to, and again, we've been talking about Pastor Rob when we were going through the Beatitudes, um, but it just kind of hit me. Paul said that a lot. And I think we might have a, a better view of Paul's prayer life than maybe almost anybody else in the Bible. And there's a lot of prayers. Of course, Paul wrote most of the New Testament, and it's more doctrine. And as you go through, and I just picked a few randomly, because he says in verse 4, I make mention of you always in my prayer. And he's, this is in the Bible. He's a prophet. This is true. He always made mention of them. I don't know if I always do anything. He always made mention of them. And um, just to read a few verses, Romans 1, 9, and 10. For God is my witness. So Paul's invoking God as his testimony that this is true. Whom I serve in my spirit, in the gospel of his son, that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers. That's a bold statement. Making request, if by some means, now at last I may find a way in the will of God to come to you. Paul said he was, he always thanks God for the church at Corinth. He always thanks God for the church at Corinth. He said he didn't, hasn't stopped giving thanks for the church at Ephesus. He prayed for the church at Philippi every time he thought of them. How often do you think he thought of them? I don't know, but the way he prays. <laughs> and he's praying for all of the other things. Every time he thought of them, he prayed for them. Isn't that a good idea? I don't know where your thought life goes. What do you think of, what do you do when you think of something? Sometimes my mind just goes off. Sometimes I complain. Sometimes I just wonder. Just pray for them if you think about them. Maybe the Holy Spirit's putting them on your heart for a reason. Let's just walk with God. He said he always we always thank God for all of you and continually mention you in our prayers, is what he said to the church in Thessalonica. He urged Timothy, and can, we can assume he also did the same, to make petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings, and all those in authority. And then in 2 Timothy 1, 3 and 4, he goes, I thank God whom I serve, with a pure conscience, as my forefathers did, as without ceasing I remember you in my prayers, night and day, greatly desiring to see you, being mindful of your tears, that I may be filled with joy. So for Timothy, one that he was close, discipling, not just a father to, but a pastor to, he said, I remember you in my prayers night and day. So Paul prayed, and, and obviously some of the best prayers in the Bible, Ephesians, you go through, and, and we can learn how to pray from him. He learned how to pray from Jesus. One way that probably helps your prayer life is to be blind for a couple of days. You'll be begging. You'll, you'll learn intercession. God had his attention, had his heart, and what a great example. And I, just, I thank my God, making mention of you always in my prayers. Verse 4, verse 5. So here, as many would say, he starts working them. So he's going to, he calls it a request, but later on he ends up saying, I know you'll be obedient. So he's more than requesting, he's firmly suggesting. He goes, I hear of your faith and love which you have toward the Lord Jesus and towards 
all the saints. You're the most loving person. I hear of your love. It's renowned. It goes out. And he's saying this because he's going to say, and I want you to love Onesimus. Six, that the sharing of your faith may become effective by the acknowledgement of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. For we have great joy and consolation in your love because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed by you, brethren, brother. Oh, you're so encouraging and uplifting to all the saints, which he's about to say, oh yeah, and by the way, Onesimus is now a saint. Because <laughs> Paul, he, Philemon doesn't know that he got saved unless word got to him. So he, he might have found out. So because of all of that, therefore, verse 8, though I might be very bold in Christ to command you what is fitting, I have the authority to tell you what you need to do, what the right thing to do is. He's writing doctrine. Paul displays doctrine. Romans, many books, Galatians, they're doctrinal books. He goes, I know the doctrine of how you're to treat a slave. We're going to go there in a minute. He wrote it and told the whole church that Philemon is pastor over on what you're supposed to do with a slave and how you're supposed to be a master. When he wrote to Colossians, the whole church had to read Paul's doctrine on this whole thing before Paul ministers to him specifically on this one application of it. Therefore, I might be very bold in Christ to command you what is fitting, nine, yet for love's sake, I rather appeal to you. Just like Jesus, this is what is true. And I don't force anybody, but I invite you. Being such a one as Paul, the aged, and now also a prisoner of Jesus Christ, I appeal to you for my son, Onesimus, whom I have begotten while in my chains. However, Onesimus ended up getting to Rome. And, I mean, it makes sense that he might have been sent to go, but then it doesn't make sense that, that he would be in debt to Philemon. Can you imagine it would be just like Jesus if all of a sudden Onesimus decides to take off and he's astray. And he wants to get away, and he doesn't like being a slave, and he's upset with God, and he doesn't like his calling in life. And how come I had to go through all of this, and life is hard, and he takes off, and next thing you know, he's in jail with Paul. <laughs> that would be just like the Lord, putting him right where he needed to be at the right time for the frame of mind that he's in, and he gets saved. And, and this is true about all of us, right? Before we're saved, what good are we? What do we have to offer? What, how do we benefit people? I mean, we'd probably all be embarrassed if you had the Lord show you the things that you did with your friends, how you, how you affected them, the things that you talked them into. It says in verse 11, who once was unprofitable to you, but now is profitable to you and to me. So he was a slave to Philemon. Onesimus should have been profitable to him. He should have worked for him. He should have done everything that he was supposed to do. Like if we think of like an employee, He's like, you know what, he wasn't good before. He goes, but he's fixed. And Jesus fixes stuff. Jesus fixes us because we're broke. Right? If we, well, I did a lot. Well, what were you supposed to be doing? Right? He told it, Colossians 3.23, whatever you do, do it heartily as unto the Lord. What are you doing? Is what, so again, Psalm 139, he has a list of everything, why he created us. He wrote it down in a book, all the things that were written before you were even put together. What on that list are you, were you doing before you were saved? Nothing. We were not profitable. We weren't helping anything. The world did not need us. We were not God's gift to the world. We were more like 
a disease, a cancer, something on its own that was going against the plan that was actually causing sickness. But Jesus, he goes, I appeal to you, my son. So he, he references him as a son, and he was begotten. So the Holy Spirit was birthed in him. He was unprofitable, but now he's profitable. He went from death to life. And it says in verse 12, I'm sending him back. You, therefore, receive him. That is my own heart. When this guy comes back, don't look at him as a runaway slave who broke the law, who now owes you this big, huge debt. When you look at him, I want you to see me. Isn't that what Jesus did for us? When we stand before the Father, just like this morning we took communion, and he talks about taking it in an unworthy manner. What, what makes it unworthy? What makes anybody unworthy? Right, it's what you believe to be true. So Jesus died. That's a replica, a representation. We're to be reminded of what Jesus did for us. So if you don't believe that, he, that he's alive and that he died for you, then you're just acting out as a hypocrite, right? So you're basically saying he died so that when he goes into me, he can live again. But you're basically saying I killed him. I understand that he's dead. I am acknowledging that that's true, but I don't believe it and I'm not going to let it happen in me. When we see him, we see, we see Jesus. And that's what we should see when we see each other because we all have problems. We're all sinners. We all have faults, right? Look for Jesus in people. It's easy to find faults, but that's not how we want people to see us. Verse 13, whom I wish to keep with me. So right there we get a... Paul's like, this guy came, he was unprofitable, I preached to him, he got saved, and there's a ministry, there's a mission going on right now. And this guy's useful, right? He said that about um, Mark, right? He had split off, they had a division, and he told Timothy, bring Mark with you, he's useful to the ministry. This guy's doing well now, and there's something going on, God's doing something, and we should all be about our father's business. Just like Jesus said when he was a kid, he understood that. And uh, whom I wish to keep with me, that on your behalf he might minister to me in my chains for the gospel. So I understand this is costing you something, and I'm making a request that you would give me something, and you owe it to me, he's going to say, and it's the right thing to do. And he's not just saying this, I think, because he wanted something from him. Because Paul often said, I could have done it. You deserve to pay me, but I, I, I didn't want your money because I didn't want anyone to have an example. I believe that he, he was doing this because that's what Onesimus wanted. He's pleading on his behalf because he says that uh, in verse 10, I appeal to you for my son Onesimus. Uh, Onesimus was a slave. He wanted to be with Paul. Paul said, you know what? It's right that this happens, but I am going to have Philemon offer it. I'm not going to force it from him. But this benefits everybody involved, but it all comes down to how Philemon is willing to deal with the circumstances. 14, but without your consent, I wanted to do nothing, that your good deed might not be by compulsion, as it were, but voluntary, for perhaps he departed for a while for this purpose, that you might receive him forever, right? And it's hard to not think of Ruth, you know, Ruth such a time as this. It, it wasn't a coincidence. There's, as they say, coincidence isn't a kosher word. And uh, that he might receive him forever. For perhaps he departed for a while for this purpose, that you might receive him forever. How would Philemon ever receive 
Onesimus forever because they're brothers and they're both going in heaven. It's good that he, he went away. It's good that he stayed here. Getting saved is the most important thing. I could tell myself that often. Getting saved is the most important thing. What if somebody treats you bad and you're like, what are they doing? But God says, you know what? You've been praying for people to be used by me when they see the grace that I have upon you on how you deal with them when they're acting wrong. Maybe they'll want to learn of your God rather than sitting there thinking, I took a vacation from my Christian walk and now all of a sudden people are a problem. You ever do that? I'm weird. We all know I'm weird. So you ever try to drive somewhere and all of a sudden there's cars and they slow you down and they don't drive right and some people drive too fast, some people drive too slow and you're sitting there thinking, I'm trying to get somewhere. And then every once in a while the Lord will just show me every single person in every one of those cars has a family, has friends, is on their way going somewhere. They're not just an obstacle. There are people there. People with lives. People that might be hurting. People that might be going somewhere. Just pray for them. Pray they learn to drive a little better. <laughs> pray they'll get to where they're going safer. And, uh, because we need, to, we need to do that. Like Paul says, right? Whenever I think of you, whenever you think of somebody driving, just pray for them. Lord, help them. Verse 16, no longer a slave, but more than a slave, a bondservant, right? A beloved brother, especially to me, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord? And again, he's writing this to Philemon. Do you ever, you guys have read Philemon before? You ever wonder if when he got this, if they had already read the letter to Colossae to the church in his house before he did this. Paul had just told them how a slave is supposed to act. And if you remember, wives, husbands, fathers, children, servants, slaves, and then masters. And he wrote more about the slave than he did anything else. So the guy bringing the letter and handed it to him, Paul's like, yeah, I talked to him too. So when I'm talking to him, I'll talk to him about him. If you ever ministered to any people that were having an issue, husband, wife, anybody, you know, I have a problem with them. Well, that's good, because they did this. Well, let's talk about you. Well, yeah, I'm only like this because of them. No, when I'm talking to them, I'll talk to them. Right now, I'm talking to you. Let's talk about your walk with the Lord. So right now, he, 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 I'm sure finally men should be aware, yeah, so Nisimus has problems, and Paul already dealt with it, and the guy got saved. His sin is cast as far as the east is from the west. Let it go. Now let's talk about you. And uh, just to be reminded, Colossians 3, 12 to 17, Paul's talking to the whole church. So getting them prepared, because I'm sure Onesimus was not the only slave in Colossae. Um, Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another, and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts. And again, that word rule is like an umpire. You're out, you're safe. I lost my peace. Well, the answer must be I'm in the flesh. To which also you were called in one body, and be thankful. There's one body, slave or master, you're all in the same body. 
Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And then he wrote about masters. So now it's kind of odd, maybe not, but Paul is Philemon's pastor, and Philemon is the pastor of the church. And the pastor of the church, who is supposed to be teaching everyone, is getting a letter to him, or getting a letter to the church about him. He's a master. And he said, Masters, give your bondservants what is just and fair, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. Continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. And then he writes to the whole church about concerning slaves in verses 22 to 25. Bond servants, obey in all things your master according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleasers, but in sincerity of heart, fearing God. And whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ but he who does wrong will be repaid for what he has done, and there is no partiality. So Paul appealing to Philemon, saying, I know the law of the land that you live in, but I also know the word of God, and I also know the heart of God. And I'm telling you the doctrine, the word of God, but I'm appealing to you that you would have the heart of the law and just release him to serve me. That's his heart for, or for uh, Onesimus. Paul wants Onesimus to be with him. He didn't demand Philemon to give, but hoped he would voluntarily offer him. And yet we get to verse 21, and we see that he, he again, people would say he was working him. But 17, he goes, If then you count me as a partner, receive him as you would me. And again, that's almost... Too good to be true, right? When, when the father sees you, he sees his son. We know, I know who I am. How can that be true? Well, because God said it, and it has to be true, because he can't lie. If, if he said it, that it's true, it's true. So, I don't know if you are familiar with experiencing condemnation or not, but the enemy will come in and condemn you. If you just get that one thing down in your heart to be true, you won't be depressed ever again. You won't ever let the enemy say something to you that will draw you away from God. When he sees you, he sees his son. How much does the father love the son? That's how much God loves you. And it's only true because that's who he is. Some people say, I don't know why God would love me. He doesn't love me because I'm lovable. He loves me because he's loving. It's who he is. It's not about who I am. He can't not love. He is love. 17, if you then, just, if you get nothing else out of this, just, this isn't a long verse. You can remember this. You can quote it, right? If then you count me as a partner, receive him as you would me. But if he has wronged you or owes anything, put that on my account. What did we owe God? Who paid it? Yeah. It's paid. Debt. Paid in full. He did it on the cross. Hallelujah. 
19, I, Paul, am writing with my own hand. I will repay. This is a legal document, and I'm signing it. To tell us, die. I, I'm not there to give it to you. Whatever he owes, I'm paying it. It's a done deal. Not to mention, oh yeah, and by the way, <laughs> FYI, at the bottom of the note, you owe me even your own life. You owe me. If you want to come and collect that debt, I'll pay it. But really, <laughs> you're going you're gonna to try to collect on that? Again, people say it's almost like he's working them. I expect you to pay this off. And just in case, I know that he goes, 20, yes, brother, let me have joy from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in the Lord. 21, having confidence in your obedience. So I, I understand that I, you're going to do this. I know you. I've heard about you. Everything that I've read, the whole beginning of the letter is talking about how much you love Jesus and your love for other people. And you didn't know Onesimus got saved. There's no doubt in my mind that you're going to do this. I write to you knowing that you will do even more than I say. So here is something that he, gives, he, that he's, that he has, and he's going to give it away to Paul. So I don't know what more that would be, send money with him besides. But he, was, he, was, he goes, you're a loving, giving guy. I trust. I know the Lord's going to do his work in it. This, I'm asking you, this is my heart. This is what I want to happen. And uh, then 22 comes in. <laughs> but meanwhile... Prepare a room, because I'm coming. I'm going to find out what you did. I, I, I'm going to visit your house. I'm coming back, and isn't that just like the Lord? Because <laughs> I'm coming back. And he says that when we think that he might be coming back, then we'll live better, right? Isn't that it? So, but meanwhile, also prepare a guest room for me, because I trust through your prayers I shall be granted to you. God answers your prayers. You're asking for me to get free, and... Uh, I read some stuff online about that, too, because I know when he started the church in Colossae, he pro Paul didn't visit there. So if you go through the book of Acts, people, he was nearby, and people got saved, and it spread to Colossae. Colossae wasn't a very large city. Um, but on Paul's fourth missionary journey, which some people might be like, no, there were three. No, there was a fourth one. It just wasn't recorded in the book of Acts. We know that he ended up getting in and, and writing, and we can tell through secular history, through letters, we know that things happened, and he was close. So we know just through history there's a chance he could have come. He might have shown up. He, he loved these people. He wanted to minister to them. We don't know for sure if he ever got there or not. But Paul says that he trusted through prayers that it will be granted to him. So if Paul did hear from the Lord on that, then he might have got there eventually. It just was not recorded for us to, to verify that or not. And uh, then he goes on and says, Epaphras, my fellow prisoner, in Christ Jesus greets you as do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, Luke, my fellow laborers. And again, it's, sometimes it's not easy, right? We bring the sacrifice of praise. Sometimes it's a sacrifice because it's hard. And, uh, and again, God created us to be diligent, to be working towards something. And, and the thing is, is it's not sweating, right? So like we know in the Old Testament, when they, the clothes that they had, they weren't perspiring because it's God doing all the work through us but it's not idleness. 
right? We're, we're to be busy about our Father's business. And I would just encourage you, if you're not sure what God's will is for your life, just to keep praying and take a step of faith. Right? Rob's been exhorting us over and over and over in that avenue. And because uh, if you're, again, he's challenged me, whatever you do, and what are you doing? If you're not doing God's will, then what are you doing? If I don't know what God's will is, you got to ask. If you know what God's will is, well, I don't know, have the strength. Well, you got to ask because he'll give it to you. He does everything. He tells you what to do. He gives you the equipping for what you're doing, and he's the only one that can make it effective so that it's not waste. This is hard stuff. Do you want to just do it for no reason at all? Vanity? I mean, it, it's like I was saying the other day, if you get on a treadmill and you exercise for 20 minutes, you can benefit your heart and lungs. Well, why would you do it for 18 minutes and get off? I, didn't, I don't like that. I'm only doing that if there's a reason for it. Christianity is hard, but it's worth it. Just keep going. Fellow laborer, and then he ends with, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. I wish I was where Paul was at better. Do you, have you ever had the grace with your spirit? Again, all I can imagine is the peace that comes. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. And I just think of 1 Thessalonians 5.23, right? I pray that God sanctifies you wholly or completely or fully, your body and your soul and your spirit. Just everything given over. And we know that by nature, unsaved, our flesh is over our soul. And when God comes in, he turns things right side up. And then it's the spirit over the soul, over the flesh. And uh, we just want to have a gracious spirit. And that's what he's asking Philemon to have towards Onesimus. Just have a gracious spirit towards people, towards servants, towards your pastor, towards everybody. Let's just have a gracious spirit. So, Father, we just thank you that you are gracious. And if we are just walking with you and in you, you will do that work, Lord. So whatever you've called each of us to, I just pray we'd have ears to hear, that you would equip us, that we would believe that when the Father, you look at us, you see your Son, and that would bring joy to our heart, and that we would walk confidently in that fact because it's true, and that we would be bold in it, and we would come boldly to the throne of grace because we are going to have times of need, but to know that you're there receiving us, we can come right up to you. Thank you that the veil was torn. Nothing can separate us from your love, Lord. Help us to just swim in that. Thank you for being a good God. In Jesus' name, amen.